Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by Alison O'Shaughnessy. Hey, Alison. Hey, Dom. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. First time on Culture Bites. Welcome. Awesome yes. to have you. New year, new show. <laughs> that's right. It's a good way to start it off. And actually, that's a nice little segue into what we're talking about, Alison, which is you know, people talk about, especially with Alice ID briefs and maybe New Year's resolutions while we're talking about that topic is I'm going to be more confident, you know, or I'm going to stop worrying about stuff. And that's awesome. I love it. But the golden question is how? You know, people are like, get more confident, cool. But you can't just like, you can't just tell yourself that. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. It's a really good question, Dom. The, the how thing. And, it, you know, I struggle with it myself still. It's not an easy fix. It's a work in progress for sure. It's not a one and done. That's for sure. That's something we all keep working at, isn't it? What, what, what might be interesting is if we maybe, you know, before we get to the how, because I guess that's kind of the conclusion in a way but maybe backtrack a little to understand, you know, what. Mm-hmm. So if it's this sort of, you know, maybe I'm feeling a lack of confidence, you know, and so in circumplex language, I guess it's down in that defensive style kind of stuff because I'm unsure about something. I feel like I need to protect myself about something. Yeah. Why might that be? You know, how might it be showing yeah. up? What, what do you reckon? How would you notice it? Look, I think that lack of confidence and that fear of not being good enough is something that it's innately human and we all struggle with it. And really the key is, is like anything else, it's really our own self-talk. What is it that we're saying to ourselves? Why am I feeling like this? What am I saying that's making me feel this way? And as you touched upon, Dom, our evolutionary history, unfortunately, has resulted in our brain that haven't actually has a, a bias towards the negative. So I do always yeah. say there's, there's eight defensive styles and only four constructive, right? So there's twice as many ways to be defensive. Yeah, exactly. So we tend to over-rely on this, this need to feel safe and secure. And we, we over-rely on this bias. And in this modern world, we actually don't need it anymore, but it's still it's hardwired into our brain. Mm. And one of the results of that is that we, we tend to fall into these habitual thinking traps, I suppose, habitual styles of thought. And some of these are great for us, but some of these can be quite detrimental Mm. and really take away our self-confidence and our self-worth. So, you know, there's loads of thinking styles, there's there's loads of thinking traps, but there's five that I'd like to share with you, Dom, that are Mm. really quite common and I hear them over and over again in different variations and different forms with all the people I work with. Uh-huh. Um, Especially, but, I guess, LSI 1, it sounds closely linked to. Yes. Lots of conversations similar to this in our LSI 1 debriefs with people. Mm. And certainly the, the more that I try to become aware of my own thinking as well, I notice I jump between one trap and another trap <laughs> over my day and over my week. Yep. I don't know about you, Dom, but yep. well, so as we talk, maybe... You could have have a think yourself and our, sure. our listeners to think about <laughs> which traps um, you Ring might a bell. find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tend to have maybe one or two dominant traps that mm. we fall into habitually, 
And we might have one trap we tend to be drawn to in one context and another one in another context. So work versus home or with family versus friends. Mm. So there's five of them. The first one I'll talk about is mind reading. Ask you yep. if you've fallen into that trap, Dom. So what's mind reading? Like thinking we, everyone's thinking this. Is that sort yeah. of a trap? Tell, tell me a bit more. What's, yeah. what's the trap in mind reading? It's assuming that you know what the other person is thinking. Uh-huh. So right. often when you're assuming what the other person is thinking, it's not that you're assuming they're thinking something wonderful about you. Usually mm. you're mm. thinking that they're thinking something negative of you. And so this can obviously have a, a detrimental effect on our emotion and our behaviour. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Aware of that one, both in myself and in a lot of coaching. This one actually comes up a lot. Like everyone's thinking this, everyone's thinking that. It's like, but are they? You know, maybe that's maybe that's later. But we assume, and I think we assume that we often think we're because we're the main character in our own story. Yeah. So we kind yeah. of think everyone's thinking about us all the time, but the probably reality is they're not. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like we're like, oh my god, you know. Say when you wear the the new shirt that you're a bit unsure about. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm kind of pushing the style envelope slightly with this one, Dominic. (laughs) And you turn up and you're like, oh, my God, everyone's looking at this shirt and I look ridiculous. But the truth is they probably not don't even notice. It's not a major deal to them at all, but it is to me and I think it is to everyone else as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're constantly looking for meaning. Our brains are out there searching for meaning. And we're testing things all the time, just subconsciously. So we go into an environment like that one you just described, mm. and we, where our minds are like a little radar scanning the room, trying to look for information to see, do I fit in? Am I okay? What's mm. going on? And then we start, if we're not getting the answers that are really obvious to us, we start mind reading. We start thinking. We know what other people are thinking. Mm. And we, as I said, we don't usually think, oh, they love my green shirt. <laughs> I'm fantastic. How'd you know it was green? Um, <laughs> yeah, but true. We tend to, you know, it's the twice as many ways to be defensive. We tend to go to, oh my God, I look ridiculous. Or they think this, they think that, and it can be negative, right? Yes. Interesting. You know, just on that, and we, we were kind of talking before the, the podcast, slightly controversial one I'm going to put out there. But, you know, I've got a recently a second time father, so I've got a 12 week old at home and I'm on the Instagram flicking through and, you know, it shows you different joke things and stuff. And there's one about mums versus dads and the mum's getting on the plane with the screaming baby and she's got like 50 bags on each arm kind of stuff. And, and in the skit, everyone's giving her dirty looks, you know, they're like, oh my God, you know, a toddler on the plane or a baby on the plane. And then it's like versus dads come on completely ill-prepared. You know, but everyone's kind of applauding them as they get on for doing yeah. anything above the bare minimum. And look, there's probably a truth to that, and that's the joke. But I thought it was also interesting because I think it kind of brings this up as well. Where I wonder, like I was reading the comments, and I couldn't help think to myself, like, it feels like there's a lot of people with a self-confidence issue in the comments because it was sort of about mm. how, you know, I've got the screaming toddler. Everyone's looking at me, and I'm mind reading. I'm saying they all think I'm you know, terrible mm. and a terrible mother and, and this and that and that. And it's like, you don't know that. And and with the father, maybe they're also giving them dirty looks, but the spotlight's not on you, so you don't feel it in the same way. Mm. You know, I yeah. don't know, controversial maybe. I'm putting it out there. There's a bunch of mums screaming at the podcast right now. Uh, I have been that mum. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me on that 
You know, and fathers feel the same thing, right? If you've got the screaming baby on the plane, I'll be like, oh my God, everyone's looking at me and they think I'm terrible. Yeah. And let's be honest, some of them might be, but, <laughs> but not all of them. You know, we probably amplify it in our head, I guess. Right? And that, that's a good segue into the next thinking trap, the me trap. So in which you believe that you're the sole cause of the problem. So it's not partly your fault or you're somewhat to blame. But in the me trap, you're the sole cause of every problem. So a lot of really harsh judgment on self. Mm. You know, that's how you're thinking. And thinking like this, obviously, it's going to lead to a lot of guilt, a lot of disappointment. People who routinely think in this way, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Do tend to experience a lot of guilt and a lot of sadness. So that's a, another trap that we can fall into. It's all my fault. I was coaching someone once and they said, but shouldn't you be your own worst critic? Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. Should mm. you? Should mm. you be? And if we, if you, if they were, you know, I think I asked them, you know, should you be? And then it was, if it was your team member yeah. or something, right? So and, would you be your worst critic or your most constructive, humanistic, encouraging coach? Right. And here's what's interesting to me because we can still have a tough conversation with others or with ourselves, for that matter, in humanistic encouraging. Dominic, that wasn't up to the standard. Mm. But there's mm. a different tone and purpose behind it rather than this feels like you're just kind of piling on yourself and beating mm. yourself up versus, you know, hey, how do we improve it? How do we get better? You know, whatever. How do we solve it kind of attitude, you know? And so, because I was like, if it was your team member who came to you or your family member who came to you and they're piling on themselves, would you be like, yeah, you know what, Ellie? It is your fault. You're a terrible person. And, you know, you, you wouldn't say that, right? You wouldn't say that, but people do to themselves. And we know that negative feedback in that way, it, it's not motivating. It doesn't lead to performance, you know, progress mm. and, and performance mm. outcomes. We know that it actually limits and inhibits people moving forward. So we know that it's counterproductive. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't mm. work for other people. So why would we think it would work for us? And yet, over and over, if we let that little habit loop go around without some conscious attention to what we're thinking, it's just there before we know it. There's mm. that thought again. So starting to think about these things as they're actually real things, we can, we've got labels for them. They're traps. They're just traps. They're habitual traps. Can it be as well? So I'm, I'm just thinking, so I'm, I'm like a big fan of ownership, you know, taking mm. ownership. Which to some extent is saying, hey, you know, what can I do about it? What part of it was mine? But, uh, and so maybe, you know, what part of it was mine? I guess maybe I'm already. Well, I think you might have uh, read my mind, actually, mm. in fact. Moving on to the flip side of that. So I'm thinking you're wondering, but are we over indexing on, oh, hang on, don't be too hard on myself, you know, let myself off the hook? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of mm. thinking, because there's a role of ownership. Like, I'm going to, hey, it's not working. Hey, Ellie and I don't have a good relationship, you know? So what can oh, I do oh. as an example, a fictitious <laughs> example? But the question is, you know, what I've contributed to that in some way. So what can yeah. I do about yeah. it, you know? And, but I guess that's different because that's really my effort makes a difference because we're now talking achievement versus mm. I'm just going to beat myself up. I'm a terrible person. And that's why Ellie doesn't like me or something like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and the flip side of that, obviously the other extreme, which is quite a common, can be a common trap as well, is the them trap. Mm. You know, actually 
you believe that other people or circumstances is the sole cause of your set or your problem. So in the me trap, it's all your fault. And in the them trap, it's the setbacks caused by other people. So there's a lot of blaming here, blaming the world, blaming the circumstances, blaming the weather, blaming politics, <laughs> you know, blaming anything. There's a lot of anger in this in this trap, a lot of aggression. So oppositional power, a lot of red thinking and mm. intention sits behind this. So it's again counterproductive. It doesn't, it's not helpful. There's nothing mm. useful in this. It is not helping you move. You can be equally as stuck in this trap as in the me trap. Well, you get into the hope cycle. I hope they're going to change. I hope yeah. they're going to do something. And we know hope is not the best strategy. Yeah, absolutely. It takes the power away from you. It takes the control away from you. You're giving it to the world. You're giving it to the other people who are doing these things to you. I'm not an agent. Yeah. So it's probably, it sounds kind of, well, it sounds, I guess it sounds defensive. I was going to say it sounds sort of avoidant, dependent or saying, because I'm not an agent in it. But also there's that blame element, It's you know, so that sounds sort of oppositional power, something like that. So, So maybe it's, Maybe it's how you go about it or what, what the thought is behind it. Yeah, and, and it's coming from a place of protection still. People are caught in the them trap when they're trying to protect themselves from the world, mm. feeling that the world is out to get them. So all of these thinking traps are all rooted in our need for security. Mm. The way in which they rise up into our conscious and give us these thoughts that keep us stuck depends on the context and there's different different ways that, that they come to our, our, our conscious thinking. Mm. And that's probably one I see most often, I suppose. Uh, yeah. or, or maybe it's the one that's the most obvious, I suppose. Maybe I should put it that way. is the them trap where you're talking to mm. someone who just clearly isn't taking any kind of ownership for anything going on. It's, it's so-and-so in that team and it's this person, it's my boss, and it's everyone else but me. You know, in a certain point, I guess you start wondering, is there a common denominator? And I guess it's not to flip to the other side and that's the me trap, but how do we take ownership of the situation? Whether it's our fault or not, we can actually work towards a solution to it. Yeah. And I think that word, that fault element is really the antithesis of constructive thinking. Mm. When we start to attribute blame, what we really need to be doing is looking for causal factors, affected things that have impacted and mm. created this situation without the need to blame that somebody is blame. wrong. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. So that was the them trap. Uh, what's number four, Ellie? Number four, Dom, is catastrophizing. And we're laughing because we've had, this is the <laughs> fifth go at recording this one. For some reason, when we mention that word that shall not be mentioned, the whole thing crashes and we have to start again. So we're hoping we've figured it out this time and haven't gone into complete catastrophe mode ourselves. So what, what is that yet. one about? So catastrophizing is this thinking trap that we fall into when we waste really critical energy ruminating. So mm. we spend time thinking about the worst case scenario, the worst possible outcome. Mm. So something happens and we jump on it, this trigger, like a runaway train. We are off. We think of worse and worse things that are going to happen. And this rumination loop just keeps going around. It's really irrational. There's nothing rational about it. Mm. But all of that energy, thinking about the worst possible scenario and versions of it, actually stop you from taking action. Mm. 
I recognize this one with my wife years ago. She was looking at changing jobs. She wasn't so happy with it, but it's like, but what if I never get another job ever again and stuff? And it's mm, like, yeah, you know, she's smart and talented. She's going to get another job. It's not an issue. And of course she did. It's not an issue. But it was like, oh my God, but what if like I just can never get another job? Yeah. Pretty exactly. unlikely. Pretty unlikely. Yeah. So what she experienced there, there's an imbalance between mm. the experience of her assessment and the real mm. threat. Mm. There's an imbalance the threat becomes huge. You know, it's looming mm. bigger and bigger. And the probability of that is bigger than actual fact. So you overestimate the threat mm. and you're simultaneously underestimating. And this is key to that example your own resources to cope. Yes. So her capability, for example, yes. so it's, and capacity it's, there. So it's thinking of the old S plus T equals yeah. R. You know, so situation plus thinking equals response. And it's kind of blowing up the situation. Like we might, it might be a challenging situation. That was a challenging situation, but it's mm. blowing it up into a giant situation, mm. bigger than yeah. it perhaps is, while at the same time shrinking our capacity to think and deal with it and handle it. And yeah, stuff like that. and really shrinking and putting out of focus our resources to cope. Yeah, and that, as you know, Dom is a real key to resilience and. Mm-hmm. Being able to move through life's challenges and events is having a belief in our resources to cope. So where we believe, and this sort of leads into our next one, the fifth thinking trap is helplessness. Mm. And that thinking trap is when you believe that the negative event or whatever's going on, it's going to impact all areas of your life and you've got no control. So it's global, it's stable, and it's here to stay, and that you don't have the resources to cope. Mm. So it's not necessary. It's different from catastrophizing, but it is a stable feeling that over time nothing's going to change and that there's really no belief in your own self-actualization or, or self-capacity to change. Uh-huh. Efficacy is I, the word I'm looking for, self-efficacy. Yeah, I, I cannot mm. impact the situation. I don't believe mm. my effort makes a difference. Yep. So those are the five hats, the five yeah. traps. And we probably, you know, all recognize ourselves stepping into, you know, maybe all of those hats at one time or another, you know, and, and maybe to varying degrees. The question, though, that we started with, you know, so I guess it's being aware of, you know, hey, maybe I'm stepping in that trap or maybe I'm stepping in that trap. What can we do about it? You know, because the... The start of this was get confident, you know, awesome. I love it. How? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so if we notice those exactly. traps, what can we start doing about it? Yeah. Thanks, Dom. Look, there's a lot of different strategies that you can employ, but I think one really helpful one that I use, that I work with people when they practice this a lot and it becomes sort of a habit in itself, it can be really handy. Good one to have in your toolkit. And it's really a couple of things. So as you say, we've got to Take the time, just pause for a moment and remember to pause and notice what's going on. Which trap? Am I in one of these traps? Which Mm. one? Mm. Okay, so I'm in a particular trap. I'm catastrophizing, you know, the world is going to end. Okay, Mm. so what evidence? The first thing you do then is say, what evidence do I have? Look evidence Mm. to validate, is this true? How do I know it's true? Mm. What evidence do I have that it is true? What's tangible, specific things? Am I just relying on a a mindset from the past of something that happened to me once years ago? Or am I actually looking at the facts of this situation? 
Yes. Um, what do I know? And I can see that feeding into the mind reading. Right? What yes. are the actual facts? What do you know? Because you're just supposing mm. a bunch of stuff right now. Yeah. Or the, it's everyone else's fault or it's all my fault, you know, both of those. What are the facts? What's the evidence? Yeah. Right? In your heart. And now I feel like someone who's in the them trap might be like, well, here's the evidence. Ellie does yeah. this and Ellie <laughs> does that and Ellie does that. But I guess it's, it's pausing to challenge yourself and ask yourself, like, is that all of the evidence or am I admitting some that maybe? Like, I, I was actually coaching someone the other day who was kind of going down that path of, you know, well, you know, I was trying to be constructive, but everyone was treating me like this. So now I'm just going to sort of withdraw. And so I asked him, in your heart of hearts, were you actually being constructive? Mm. And he paused and he said, no, I was being aggressive, you know? And so it's kind of, I guess, asking, you know, in my heart of heart, what really is going on? Yeah. Same with the catastrophizing, right? You know, what's the evidence of, you know, the situation I'm building up in my head that it's actually going to happen or is happening? And same with the helplessness, you know, um, is it really all outside my control? Yeah, absolutely. And and the hard part is that we can try to rationalize ourselves out of these feelings because along with these thoughts come some pretty strong feelings. And when we're feeling these places, it's it's not as simple as just saying, well, look for the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah. If it was that easy, that'd be great. It's a starting point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in order to change how we thinking about something, we have to actually believe it at least a little bit. So evidence can help, but what if we can't find any evidence? Mm. So we have to try and think, okay, let's try and turn this around, but let's look for something I could possibly believe. Can't trick myself into feeling better. I have to actually try to believe part of it. So I bring in a ladder here. So what's the next positive thing or possible positive outcome in relation to this, that I could believe, that I can hold on to. So we're not asking someone to believe that something is purple when we clearly believe that it's orange, but we're asking them to think a thought, hold on to something that they could believe is true. So just the next step. Mm. And so is that sort of breaking down the plan, you know, from the big goal to, okay, what's the you know, if this is the big picture or the, the big thing and I don't believe that's possible, you know, I'm helpless, but it's what's the immediate next step kind of? Yeah, level? yeah. Or it could be something like everybody thinks I'm useless at this mm. and then it's does everybody? Okay, well, maybe everybody except this one person. Oh, mm. maybe. And so turning it around, so starting to put it some balance in and put some perspective in that. So I can believe that Dom doesn't think I'm useless, even Mm -hmm. if I still believe that everybody else does. So we can't, it's helpful to start with something we can kind of swallow to to a certain extent. So you can't go from sort of zero to a hundred is what I'm Exactly. So it's like, okay, what is an intermediate step, which I can actually like, yes, that I think is fair. You know, like, yes, I can say yes to that. And it just starts the process of moving you from being stuck. So Mm. just hold on to that one thing that one positive thing that you can believe is true, that you can hold on to. And then once you're sort of feeling comfortable at that next step, then you can move on to more. And over time, if you repeatedly turn around, just turn around so you block it, block the thought, turn it around and hold on to the thing that you can believe in, Mm. just that small piece. And you do that repetitively. Yeah, I was just going to say is that it almost sounds like if I put the last two together, because it's like, you know, we're looking for evidence and maybe there's not any. 
this is almost building the evidence, you know, like proactively. So, hey, you know, I can't do that thing yet or something, but I've taken, I can do these small steps and that's kind of building up actually my self-efficacy, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So taking a step back, which is sort of where we began, Mm. it's around that awareness and noticing, Mm. noticing what you are in that example, where you are being effective, where you are making a difference, noticing the, in the instance where we're feeling that, you know, others are feeling poorly of us, starting to notice the opposite, where the opposite is true, noticing when Mm. people are clearly giving us some strong positive signals. Mm. So just flipping it, flipping it and looking for that next step on the ladder. What could I potentially believe is true? Mm. That is better and it's going to be more useful for me than this negative global thought. Yes. And I, I like that it's also setting the expectation that it's not like you wake up tomorrow and it's like, I am, you know, like we're going to do a 180 by tomorrow kind of thing. But how do you start building the bridge, if you like, or building yeah. the steps towards it? And noticing the process of that, I guess, is, is the next stage. But, you know, in the evening, just thinking back on your day and mm. If there was a time where you noticed those automatic negative thoughts, you know, those thinking traps popping in and you were able just to catch one of them and turn it around and move away from it just a little bit. If you notice that you actually did that in that day just once, there might have been 50 thoughts of this Mm. nature. Mm. But even if you caught one of them, noticing that you did it so that Mm. you are again proving to yourself that you can change. We can change the way mm. we think. To your point, it's not a one and done and it's not quick, but it's like, I guess it's like a muscle. You mm. know, we have to continue to exercise this intentional focus to help us have the thoughts that are useful and help us achieve what we want and enjoy ourselves, enjoy our lives, really. That's what we're... Yeah. And because I'm kind of thinking, you know, if we lack self-efficacy or self-confidence, it's not just conjuring it up either, mm. you know? And so if, if oh, I don't feel like I can achieve things, then how do we start achieving some small things and start building it up, you know? And yeah. uh, like I had someone I was coaching the other day and people who listen to this podcast probably know that I'm a, I'm a runner and I talk about it too much. But sometimes I think, you know, running's a great example of a small thing that it's got a very direct correlation between effort and outcome. You know, like if you go out and you go for jogs or whatever, you know, twice a week, you will get better at it, you know, and, and mm. whether, whether it's one kilometer or 10 kilometers doesn't really matter, right? Whatever your level is, if you go out and practice it, you will get better at it. And I think there's something to an activity like that. It doesn't have to be running, but where it's very obvious that my effort makes a difference. You know, if I go out and train and practice, I get better at Mm. this thing, you know, and therefore I can actually impact stuff, right? I can make a difference. Yeah. And so I I think it starts that sort of self-efficacy, self-belief of I can impact the world, I can change things around me and change things about myself for that matter. Yeah, absolutely, Dom. And I think the other important part of that belief is that and that self-efficacy is that the things we are trying to achieve, the things we want to change, we need those goals to be congruent with who we are and our values and who we believe we are as, as people. So where the goal or the belief is a little bit 
incongruent with who we want to be or who we feel that we are as a person. It, mm. it, it's hard to latch onto. Mm. So just having a look from that lens sometimes and saying, what is it about this that doesn't feel right to me? How do I need to adjust the goal in a, even just in a small manner so it feels more congruent with my beliefs and my values? Yeah, yep. love it. Awesome. Any other thoughts, Ellie? Uh, look, I off? think, yeah, I think, Dom, really just the final we have touched upon, but the final thing is just that our self-talk is what helps mm. us feel good or have a rotten day. It's so important. I just, it's really the critical element to helping us, you know, be constructive individuals who enjoy our days because the only thing that matters is what's going on in our heads. Yeah. So it is really critical. It starts with our thoughts, you know, and so I, I kind of wrote down a few notes as you were talking, Ali, was notice the trap. You know, so it's that being aware of our self-talk. What are we saying to ourselves? Is it that coaching voice, that humanistic voice, or is it that oppositional, dependent, whatever it might be sort of voice that we're talking to ourselves? You know, which trap might we be in? Is it the mind reading the trap, the me trap, them trap, uh, catastrophizing, helplessness? What is it? Then it's challenge. you know, what can we do about it? Then it's asking for evidence. Is that true? Could it be different? And what can I believe? So starting small and building up and I guess breaking down that path to what's the next manageable thing that I can believe and I can actually do. And that's how we start walking our way out of it, if I put it that way. Yeah, that's a great summary. Thanks, Dom. Awesome, Ali. Thanks so much for your time. We got there, even with our five crashes and the <laughs> catastrophe that was the recording. <laughs> we made it to the end. We did. <laughs> I'll see you on another one. Fantastic. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyright by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.